0: Natalie, how are you? Good, Amby. It's really great to well, I don't know if people can know that can see you, but it's good to see you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: good to see you too. It's been like what two weeks since I saw you. <laughs> yeah, I guess
0: that was two weeks ago. Whenever the um the kind of live comedy. Yeah, was. yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. And for all our listeners out there, uh, this is episode 50 for on the record, Amby and episode 45 for comedy combos with ambi so this episode will be for both my podcasts and i divided this into journalism and comedy because natalie is so amazing she's done both (laughs) (laughs) um so let's dive into journalism first Mm -hmm. um so natalie what inspired it caught your attention about studying journalism especially at Merrill college
0: yeah. So, um, so when I was in high school, I wasn't really sure. Well, for you know how you go to high school and they're like, basically expect you to have your future figured out even yep. when you first get there. <laughs> and so I was not one of those people. Um, I had cycled in and out of things that I thought maybe I could do when I finally got to college. At one point, I was like, maybe I could be an OBGYN. And that was literally only because I used to watch Oh God. It was like some show on TLC where they would like walk you through like a woman's like labor. I don't know why I was watching that for fun, but I was <laughs> doing that. And I was, and I thought it was so fascinating to me, like, like, cause, cause all you, like, once you have friends that have kids, like you just see the kid and you don't know what happened. Right. Or probably should you. Cause nobody wants you when they're late <laughs> labor and delivery with them <laughs> really. Um, but, uh, no, you don't, you don't know all the stuff that goes into it and all the things that, you know, could go wrong. And obviously they weren't going to air an episode where something went no, terribly wrong, mm-hmm. but just like stuff like, oh, like Pitocin is what you use to speed up the labor or you need epidural and like like all the stuff that I learned when I was like 17. So at one point I was cycling between like that and like, two other things. And then I got to like senior year and I realized like the only thing I'm good at is <laughs> like writing and English and like social sciences. And so I guess if I want to learn about, you know, all these other things that I don't have the the time or money or schooling to do, you know, then journalism is probably a good alternative, because like, that's an opportunity to learn about something that you don't know. And then it's also a skill set because you have to try to break down something that's complex uh into something that's easy for the average person to understand or at least i guess somebody with like a 5th to 8th reading level. So <laughs> um so i was like okay well that's for me and so i was one of those people that you know i kind of sort of wish i figured it out sooner only because i could have done things like join my high school's newspaper or stuff like that like i was probably one of the few people walking into um Philip Merrill um without having done any of that I was literally just like I am new to this just teach me all the things now like literally from the ground up whereas like everybody else coming in had been like editor-in-chief for their paper like like since they were freshmen and like stuff like that and I was like I'm not that person I, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm here to learn like I'm glad that you know one of the best journalism schools in the nation was a state school and, you know, I could afford it because like I wasn't going all the way out to Northwestern or, mm-hmm. um, or you know, uh, um, what was it, University of Missouri, like I wasn't going out there. So, um, so yeah, so, so yeah, so that was kind of how I figured it out. It really wasn't until senior year, honestly, to, 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 to the point where I, um, uh, I probably up until senior year, I was still like hunting and pecking. For, for typing so I like when I knew like I was wanted to major in something where I was going to be writing all the time not that you're not writing in college but a career with that I was like I need to learn how to actually type so I took a keyboarding class like the first half of senior year which I'm glad they offered that because I, wow. I don't know how I would have learned otherwise so um so yeah so um uh yeah and then I pretty much knew i wanted to go like cause some people will like try to apply to get in later and i think mm-hmm. i i declared it like when i got there so mm-hmm. like i was like already in i didn't have to jump through like too many extra hoops mm-hmm. before i was like taking all the prerequisite courses and stuff
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fantastic so for those who don't know natalie has worked for redacted tonight which is a comedy news satire show um so natalie what was it like working there and I'm sure it's a little bit different working from a typical newsroom. And, you know, you study print journalism and then went into broadcast and being on air. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure that was an adjustment. And I'm sure you must learned, you know, use all your skills in Merrill, which helped you in this job. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the, you know, one of, I mean, probably just the most basic, like, key thing that I'm glad that I took away from it, like, was just you know, deadlines and like Mm -hmm. really having to set deadlines for myself because Mm -hmm. that job technically didn't have it. It was like the show aired, like we taped the show like on Thursday night. So it's like, yeah, if you don't have your script ready, by like Thursday morning, like you're screwed. So, you know, but even like, I'm the type of person where it's like, if I'm working up until Thursday morning, that's a problem. So I had to set all different types of deadlines for myself in terms of like, this is when I need to have a draft of a script ready in my head to be comfortable about the rest of this week going forward like this is this is what I need to have ready for a photojournalist when I'm ready to go out and film and then also edit um, like a package piece with them Um, Mm -hmm. um, so it's just like setting all those things in my head depending on what the assignment was and I think that was something that I'm very glad I was able to take away from my college experience. Um, uh, You know, it was a little bit of a learning curve in terms of some of the broadcast stuff, because when I was going to Merrill, which I don't even think was that long ago, but really kind of (laughs) is, as I graduated in 2007 and they weren't doing, like I said, I just I don't even know if this is a thing anymore, like a separate print and a broadcast track. I don't I'm going to assume they recently got it. Yeah, I was like, that's smart because <laughs> by the time I got out of there, like that was only when the faculty was kind of realizing was like, oh, everybody needs to know how to do everything, right? mm-hmm. and that is how news is going to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I found that out at the like my first job out of school was this paper called the Gazette, um, which has since mm-hmm. gone under uh, mm-hmm. about like five or six years ago. Um, and so yeah, when I when I got there, I mean yeah, initially it was mostly just like. You write an article um, like a day and then you learn look for a photographer that goes out with you. And like, by the time I left, you know, I had my own laptop because they wanted us to like file as soon as we could, like for wherever we were. Um, they gave us point and shoot cameras because they ended up laying off photographers. And oh no. How it looked like when I started versus how it looked when I left.
1: Very different.
0: Very different. And that was like five and a half years time, you know, but mm-hmm. like the first time I like saw like, layoffs happened I was probably like a year and a half or like two years in you know oh and that was probably happening all over the place like it wasn't yeah. but I mean the, the, the things that were similar about redacting is that it was like I was still in a newsroom um mm-hmm. so I I kind of did like that I kind of like being back in like that environment and you know mm-hmm. having like breaking news and like I want to call them the real journalists people <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, were like actually going out and doing the hard news because my job was to make hard news funny you know right which was like a relief, you know, um, I could never do like, like do live hits or anything. Like I, I just, I couldn't do it, you know? And, and now I look back at what I was doing at the Gazette and I'm like, oh, I couldn't even do that anymore. <laughs> that was like, that was a young person's game. Like there was a reason why there were a lot of people, my, like a lot of recent college grads and you didn't really see anybody with a family doing what I was doing. And then uh-huh. if they decided they wanted a family, they weren't there for very long because they knew like that schedule and like having the family. Unless you had a partner that was really cool about you, not being there like three to four times a night, <laughs> like um, a week, I should say. Sorry, um, yeah, but that like that job wasn't conducive to having like a like a family life, you know. Um, so, so reason a lot of people go into PR after what we did. But I was lucky to go into something that um, similar similar to what my side hustle was which was stand up yeah.
1: yeah 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 exactly um, we'll get into this up a little bit later but um what you know what advice you have for merrill Maid students and alumni out there who are interested in like you know the comedy news aspect of things oh gosh um mm-hmm. they're interested in if they're interested in writing I mean
0: I guess definitely like seek out um publications or satirical news publications you know because there's stuff other than the onion and there's stuff other than reductress and feel like a lot of people are like when they think of satirical news that's those what they think, of, to, yeah. they think of yeah. right away you know but there's still other stuff there's like little lady um or I think little lady news I think I might be butchering that um the belladonna's um mm-hmm. there's like some local stuff here I think it's like the Tacoma torch and mm-hmm. stuff like that so like there are definitely opportunity the same way it is like when you're trying to get clips, you know, to advance to, to clips, maybe like, like at the Diamondback or something like that to get an internship or you're getting clips of your internship to get a job.
1: Mm-hmm. It's the
0: same thing with comedy. Like you're, you know, you're getting, trying to get, you know, as many clips under your belt and to show to other people or demonstrate that like I have the skill. So mm-hmm. kind of works,
1: works both ways. <laughs> yeah. Amazing advice. Um, so let's dive into comedy. And for all our listeners out there, Nat is super incredible. Like she's an amazing DC comic and so smart, so funny. And as far as me, be a better comedian. And I love her so much. Yeah. Um, and I'm so excited. That you're <laughs> going to be a part of the uh, Black Lady Sketch Show season three as a comedy writer. Congratulations, Natalie. That's thank amazing. You. <laughs> thank you so much. I still can't believe that they hired me. So <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't feel real. But um, yes, thank you. <laughs> of course. And can you tell us a little bit about the process behind that, especially what it's like to be in a Black woman's, an all-Black woman's writer's room?
0: Yeah, so um, it's interesting because, like, obviously, I don't think I'm ever going to have a work environment like this again, where it's just, like, mm-hmm. all-Black women. Like, generally, most of my uh experience Experience with news yeah like from internships all the way through pretty much up until this point Mm -hmm. you know like not a ton of people who look like me like even when I was like a a student at Merrill like there weren't a ton of like black print majors like like in my class specifically like most of the people who like most of them were like in broadcast so it's like Mm -hmm. if I wanted to find like black people it just in general but especially black women like that was where you found them. (laughs) So it was like, I'm just, so I was just kind of used and conditioned to like work environments that like weren't as diverse. So Mm -hmm. to come into something where like everybody like looks like you and you don't have to like explain any jokes, like people like get what you're talking about. Like there's, you know, it's like, it's amazing, you know, and I'm very lucky. I don't know the next time I'll be able to have well certainly uh just an all black all women room other than this show you know but i think i'm hoping it's like you know a harbinger of something in the future it was like oh you know maybe it won't be all black ladies but i hope it'll be like some black people and some Asian people and some yeah, diversity, Hispanic people, you know, just yeah. stuff that, you know, rooms and writer's rooms have needed to be like forever. Um, still need, to be, like. been, still need <laughs> to be like, and still need to be like, you know, because, you know, that's the, you know, that's the way you don't end up with something that gets like, Torn apart on Twitter because <laughs> like, oh, you clearly didn't have a black person in the room when this was pitched. Like, you don't want to be that person. Like, right. I don't know why enough people don't think like that, but <laughs> you can <don't.
1: laughs> Yep. Yep. Exactly. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, going back, going to your stand up, um, how did you get into stand up and what inspires your material?
0: Yeah. So I, um, actually i had like two people independent of each other that were trying to get me to do it one of them was alahae actually cuz we used to work together at the mm-hmm. and then um the other and she was doing it at she was maybe like two and a half years into it at the time mm-hmm. she was doing it on and off then. And then um and then my friend sarah who uh I, I, I went to maryland with too i didn't know i didn't know alahae personally when we were at maryland even though we all both went there but sarah was a roommate of mine in college and even after college and we when we just got out of maryland maybe like a month after graduation she decided that she wanted to try stand-up comedy and so she took a class like a five minute the five minutes to fuddy class at the DC, oh, improv. dc improv yeah yeah so this was like july 2007 i think and um after she graduated into the showcase and everything she was trying to go to open mics whatever was around dc at the time i can barely remember at this point and she would not only would she ask me to come out and support her at that, which I was happy to do, but she also wanted me to like write with her, which I was very self-conscious about. And I was just like, I don't <laughs> I don't know about this, right? Um, I, I didn't think, I mean, at that point, she wasn't a- a expecting me to get on the stage, but even then I felt too self-conscious about sharing what I thought was funny because like, I don't know if people think I'm funny. And mm-hmm. so, um, but I really didn't get the bug to do it until... 2011 um because you know I still consumed comedy a lot and my only outlet since I wasn't going to get up on a stage was like blogging Mm -hmm. and so a lot of um a lot of my early sets when I finally decided to do it were things that I did talk about blog you know like riding the metro and dating in DC sometimes I still talk about dating not recently because I just basically stopped doing that when COVID happened (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah, just stuff about like being a 20 something in DC. I remember like one of my early jokes was about like the bar crawls in DC. I used to do these, um, uh, you know what like Lindy Promotions is? Like it was like this company that was based in Bethesda and they would do these holiday themed bar crawls. It would be like around Christmas and St. Patrick's Day obviously. Um, mm. But um trying to think if there was another big one that they did but yeah. uh, Oh, Halloween. They would do one for Halloween. And my friends and I, my college friends and I would, I go to these all the time. And, and all the time I was usually the one black person that I could see (laughs) in these park rolls. And like one of my, one of my earlier jokes was like how I got there late. And so my friends were already inside. And so I was telling my friend, I was like, oh, I'm in the back, like, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for me. And then I, like, stopped to think about it and looked who was in line with me. And I was like, yeah, I'm the only Black person in the line. So <laughs> if you can just, <laughs> I think the joke was just like, I'm just the punctuation mark on this long white drunken slur. That's that's <laughs> all I am. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of my early stuff was basically about that. Just me, you know, putz and with my friends. This was all before... You know, this is the first time any of us had like full-time jobs and like had like spending money because, you know, in college, you like you have me, you maybe have some spending money or whatever your parents give you if you're not working, you know, but mm-hmm. this was like the first time we were like, oh, we can like, we're living on our own. We can do what we want. And this was like good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, bad and you have like a lot of embarrassing stories and things you probably shouldn't have did, but good in that I have material. So
1: so amazing oh my god (laughs) Um, well I'm glad you just started doing stand-up and you know you've been doing it for 10 years which is insane oh my god yeah yeah it'll
0: be 10 years on Halloween so yeah
1: um, yeah I um my first open
0: mic was at this place called the looking glass lounge which is as far as I know still open I hope COVID didn't take that um but it's like the sister bar to Wonderland and Mm -hmm. um there used to be a mic like the last is I think it was the last Monday of the month um and I that was the only mic that I knew about because uh my Sarah who I mentioned earlier um knew the guy who ran the mic and um uh and has written jokes with him before and stuff like that so that's why I was like okay well if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it there because it's the only place I know the only place I feel comfortable right. doing it. And then I dragged her there with me because I was just like, if this doesn't go well, I'm going to cry. And I <laughs> need you there. <laughs> She's like sat in one of the booths with other comics who now at this point, I have known for 10 years, but I didn't know at the time. Um, and then I got there and I did my set and I was getting laughs and I was like, oh my God, people are laughing at this. This is what? I mean, I, would, I didn't have them like rolling or anything like that, but like people were, you know, actually laughing. And so I got off the stage and then, um, and keep in mind, this was like during Monday Night Football. So, like the lower bar, like half of them are just like, we're not effing with the comedy show. Yeah. Like, we're here to watch football. <laughs> but I go down to the lower bar to get a drink, probably because I was so nervous. And then from doing that, and then uh, there was a, a comic that was sitting down who I think was mostly there, honestly, to see the football, but like, <laughs> but he, um, uh, his name is Wayne Manico, actually. And he was like, you know what? Normally like I'm not watching this or giving my full attention to this, but like I thought you were really funny. And which made me feel really good because that was my first time doing it. And so I was like, okay, that gave me enough confidence to like try it again. Not necessarily there, but other places. Yeah. Um, hell yeah. So yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. It's amazing. Um, and you are based obviously in the DC D M V area. Um what is the scene like especially for you and and anything you would like to improve
0: oh man i mean the scene (laughs) has definitely blown up since i've done it i mean i mean i know that things are a little wishy-washy because of covid but like Mm -hmm. pre-covid um there was like stuff happening there there were at least Th- it, it, minimum like three mics or showcases or something like happening like every night in the city which was not mm-hmm. a not a thing when i started like you yeah. you knew like where every single show was and when it was and stuff when i started 10 years ago and there are people way more famous than I'll ever be that started even before that, like a Parning and Charla and like yeah. Ryan Ryan Connor and all those people. And yeah. like God, God knows what was around even then. <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> that was like they were doing it like two or three years before I even started it. So um I like the way that it's grown that way. I think one thing that I would like to see more is um I would say diversity in terms of like showrunners, because mm-hmm. it is still mostly like male and white um oh yeah um and actually I was just I will be fair it's mostly male There are like black, <laughs> black dudes and white dudes <laughs> and maybe like if you see people of any other race they're kind of like collectively like maybe like doing it together and stuff like that but like mm-hmm. but generally I don't see like a, a total a ton of like women-led showcases um and um also you don't see I mean th- this has gotten better since I've done it but like know we still could stand to have more diverse lineups in terms of like not only having more women on it you know but having more women of color or you know or still having like men of color or whatever but um and gender too like you know like a lot of that a lot of those shows like really didn't exist either and you know like i could think of maybe like one show that was like when i was coming up that was mostly focused on like lgbt community you know and that comic um who co-hosted that he lives in la now is that names, um mk paulson but that was like the one thing that i could think of back then and like i uh, hopefully it's not pl- coming from a place of ignorance i don't really think i've seen too much more growth <laughs> like since i've seen that show you know um but like I've growth in, I've seen growth in terms of like the number of uh, performers who identify that way but mm-hmm. not in terms of like showcases Show. that yeah. reflect that yeah yeah so I think that um that's something that needs to be improved as well oh, yeah. um so so yeah so it's like you know when I say the seed has grown it's like yes it's grown in terms of like you know, opportunities to perform, it's just like, okay, well, who are those opportunities going to?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know,
0: like, is it really an opportunity? Like, I, I don't know, you know, um, you know, just in general, I, you know, and I think this is something that I was kind of hoping would happen, like, after at least 2020, and everything we had gone to gone mm-hmm. through, is that I would like to see less barriers for to for people to just perform and just get up and just like do something you know like I just that's like pretty much that's like the only thing I want to see like I'm not the only thing I want to see but that's (laughs) one of the one of the main things I want to see like you know I just want somebody to be like I want to do five minutes somewhere and then like okay like sign up and do it like I think you know there needs to be way more sign up on site things you know um and I think there weren't a ton of them even when i started you know but they kind of like disappeared like over Mm -hmm. the past decade and Mm so um i would say like anybody who's thinking about starting a a a room or a mic, like please can consider that because like that's the only way that you know some people might get time you know so until they can you know build up the type of set that can get them you know into showcases that pay you know so um and I say that, you know, knowing that I know it's hard to, like, I, I personally have not, even as long as I've been doing it, I have not started a room. I've hosted a mic. I've done that before. But, you know, even on a regular basis, like I did that before. But, you know, but the amount of time and effort that goes in the anxiety, honestly, like, oh, yeah. goes into right. <laughs> producing, so. producing can be exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I know. It, I know it's like I've seen... I've generally, like people who are like super nice and sweet as pie, I can see them like stressed out. And I'm like, I'm going to stay over here. <laughs> <laughs> I will do whatever you want <laughs> to make it go easy for you. So, because <laughs> I know you're stressed, you're not going to be relieved until the thing is literally over. Like that's how it is for pretty much anybody I know who's ran a show, but, yeah. but, you, but no, these people don't do it They everybody wouldn't do it if they didn't love it, you know, and also want to genuinely see other people shine and like make other people laugh, you know, the way that that particular comedian made them laugh, which is why they wanted them on their show.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I 100% agree with you there. Um, So do you think there's a difference between who you are on stage versus who you are off stage?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm generally not, I, I feel like I have a lot of act outs and stuff in my, um, comedy and mm-hmm. you know I'm generally not like that you know, when I'm talking <laughs> to people normally That's good uh, know. <laughs> yeah that would just be kind of weird you know but um but but yeah I think in terms of like similar like dry humor and stuff like that I think I am similar like on stage and off you know but I just tend to be a, a little bit more animated um on stage you know or even scream sometimes if I have to scream, which like, I'm not screaming normally in the <laughs> unless I'm honestly, unless I'm watching like a Maryland basketball game, then I'm screaming. <laughs> <laughs> so probably not doing something right. And you now. Um, no, but generally that's not my MO to just be screaming like, like how I do when some of my sets are like act outs and like regular <laughs> conversation with other people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh but Um. So my last two questions for you are uh, what are your hopes and dreams for comedy and advice for comedians or something you wish someone told you when you first started out doing comedy? Oh, gosh, very loaded uh, question. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> <your> yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think of the something I wish because that's a good question, something I
1: wish. Thank you. Meryl people, taught me well. <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> so, so something I wish people had told me when I started um, I guess probably the you don't have to do every show that's offered you. um, I feel like that's something that I learned uh much later <laughs> along the way and then later in the show because sometimes at first, um you're just kind of like, oh, I gotta take everything because you know, I want to be seen and like yeah. that and uh, I want to show that like I'm actually serious about this and like there's something, yeah, I'm not saying like. Don't take it seriously and stuff like that. But there are some, there's some things where it's just like, oh, like that wasn't worth the distance or the money, or and if you, even if you were getting paid, <laughs> saying everything I did was paid, you know. So just, um, I don't know, just being a little bit more, you know, like I say this because I've been doing it for ten years, so I feel like an like an asshole for a second. Concur. Sorry. <laughs> but it's like yeah just being a little bit selective about like what you do especially like the longer that you do it you know because yeah. you are sacrificing you know a lot of your time and your money your gas money and time that you could spend with your family and your friends to do this thing um and there have been times where especially now I've been doing it 10 years where i was like uh maybe i i kind of wish i hadn't done this so i could have been at my friend's thing for this and or I kind of wish that, you know, like you don't want to look back and like and regret and regret, you know, regret things, you know, mm-hmm. and and also um, another thing that I wish people had told me was like, hey, you kind of have to like live a life to write comedy about, you know, that was, you know, what was kind of fun, at least about the beginning of it was because most Like up until that point, I was like, how many years out of school Like four or five? Um, You know, I was just like hanging out on the weekends and like going on trips with my friends and stuff like that. So obviously when I first started, I had a lot of stuff to pull from. And then like Mm -hmm. the longer that I kept doing it and the more gigs, not I'm complaining, but the more gigs that I was able to get and stuff like that, the less time that I had to actually live a life and you know like do all the things that i was like drawing material on when i first started and so mm-hmm. you know that's something that i wish i had a and said or at least like realized you know maybe like the midway point be like hey like maybe you don't you don't have to do this thing. <laughs> like especially if it's not paying you <laughs> do not do this thing um uh yeah, so that those are those are definitely some things that I wish somebody had told me or that I learned um, along the way.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's solid advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's really. I think I kind of need to hear that too. Yeah, I think a lot of people need to hear it.
0: Even people that have been doing it longer than I have need to hear. It. Um, but but yeah, it's just like you know, like if you, you know, like it. Yes, it's possible to make a living off of doing it, but it's like it's not really gonna be worth it if you're just if you I mean you're basically just gonna have like no well to 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 mm-hmm. go to, you know, if, yeah, you don't if all you do yeah. is just like go to mics and just ch- like if you don't if you're not living life outside of that, it's just kind of like, well, what are you writing about?
1: Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, Mm -hmm. I love that it's fantastic advice um and what about your dreams dreams and uh hopes for comedy
0: yeah so you know just in general I hope to (laughs) still be I mean we're gigging it at this point so I hope to still be able to to work as a comedy writer in the future whether you know uh I can break into writing sitcoms um or um even like unscripted stuff like you know like I'm not adverse to like doing a reality show or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, or or like I was uh, I had told Kim earlier, like you know, even if it was like writing, you know, for just a one-off, like an award show or something like that. I'm pretty much open to anything because I would like to see, you know, you know where my skill sets, you know, lie, you know, you know. I think, and I'm not, you know. I'm open to you know doing something similar you know if I was even had the opportunity to to do something Mm -hmm. similar to what I was doing at Redacted in terms of political satire I will say it has been nice to have a break from that because it's just I don't know really how I was Mm. doing that for four and a half years and like being like okay let's try to make it funny I mean there would be people on YouTube who would be like um a you shouldn't joke about this. I was like, well, that's the whole point of our show. So I don't know right. how you found the channel. <laughs> Probably want to go somewhere else. This is, <laughs> this is my, like, I have to make it funny. Like, I can't, like, I pitched this. I have to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, um so it, it is nice to not, I mean, I'm somebody who watches the, the local, news like every night, I'm yeah. like, the, like the only person I know that still watches, I mostly watch channel four. So like, cause my friend used to work there. So um, I, just, I just basically kept watching, but like, yeah, I'll watch these every night. And so like, I'm, I'm aware of like what's going on, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, and I do try to think of like topical things, you know, to write about it, you know, when I have the brain energy and stuff, but it is nice to um, not be like, you have to write like a four minute piece about like these people who live near like a sewage plant, who like have three different types of cancer because they can't, they're too poor to move. Like, I don't have to like do that. <laughs>
1: <Get> <laughs> it's like break. a foreseeable
0: future, <laughs> you know? So, um. so yeah, so, but yes, yeah, so I'm pretty much, I mean, the, the short answer to the that long-winded answer <laughs> is I'm open to, to anything in, in the realm of, you know, entertainment writing, Um. you know? So, you know, it's just, um, a matter of like what opportunities i am uh, able to find and and luck into you i was very lucky to to get this opportunity to write for hbo so mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. i'm so excited for you and thank you again so much for doing this podcast um i can't wait to see everything else you do and keep grinding and just overall be amazing natalie <laughs> oh
0: thank you and thanks for, for having me i'm glad i could do the dual thing so <laughs> yes <laughs>